Well, good morning, everybody. You know, something you never hear anybody say is, I'm just going to get a cheap diamond. You ever heard anybody say cheap diamond? Have you bought a diamond lately? There's no such thing as a cheap diamond, right? I remember, and many of you ladies, if you're married, you, you likely have on a, uh, an engagement ring that has a diamond in it. And I remember when uh, I was trying to uh, pay for the engagement ring for my wife, Trina, uh, years ago. And I'm telling you, that's the first exposure I had to diamonds and the expensive diamonds. I sold everything I had at the time. I had a Gibson Les Paul uh, that I sold that I, 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 you know, I loved, but she couldn't wear that. And so, um, you know, I was selling everything and I'm realizing, man, these things are expensive. And, you know, my thought was that, that engagement rings have been diamonds, you know, just for ever and ever. But the truth is, I began to, I realized, it's a little research there, that, that giving a diamond ring for an engagement is really less than 100 years old. Uh, uh, people have marked for centuries, people have marked an engagement with a ring, but the actual giving of a diamond an engagement ring is less than 100 years old. See, back in the 1800s, uh, there was a huge diamond mine that was discovered in South Africa. And it, for the first time, diamonds became pretty much widely available to people and they began to flood the market a little bit. Well, uh, the owners of the mine were concerned that if these diamonds just flood the market and the value will go down. And they didn't want to see the value go down, so they kind of hatched a scheme uh, that all the, the owners would come together and form one company. And that one company then would determine uh, the, the supply. They would keep it limited so there wasn't a lot of diamonds going out there onto the market. And pretty much that company formed and they, even today, still, you know, nearly all of the diamond trade in the world is kind of controlled by a few. And, and uh, they decided we're going to release these on a limited supply. And we'll keep the value up because, in the little economics there, if the supply is limited, yet the demand is really high, then the price goes up, right? And so they did that, and it worked great until about the 1930s. And then with the Great Depression, uh, with the Second World War looming, people just stopped buying. And fewer and fewer people were buying diamonds because of those things. And, and so they started thinking, how can we get the people to... Uh, to buy these diamonds and so they came up with another plan and this time they felt like we can put this ad campaign together and convince consumers that a diamond is the ultimate romance gift and so they did they went and began photographing all these movie stars and socialites with their diamond engagement rings and now ladies most of you if you're married you've got a diamond in that ring because of that. It's really less than 100 years old that we've been giving diamonds and what we know, and, and it worked again, just like they had planned, that the supply of diamonds is not all that great, but the demand is always high. And so the value stays at a very, very high level. And you know, that's what I've determined and what I've figured out about our time as well, right? If you think about your schedule, think about your time, it probably feels a lot like these diamonds occasionally. Like, like, like your supply of time is very limited, but the demand is always there. And it seems like time is probably one of the most precious commodities that we have as individuals and as families, as couples. We kicked off a series last week called The Bridge of Hope. And in the series, we're talking about how God has been using the bridge and God 
uh, plans to use the bridge in this next year, um, locally and globally, to be a bridge of hope as we uh, go and try to do good for people, that uh, as we leave those people, that we leave them with a sense of hope. And so we're talking about the various ways that, uh, that God is using us to accomplish that. And last week, we kicked off with a couple of questions. And the questions were this. I asked first, what is it that you want to be known for in your life personally? Uh, what is it in life that you want to be known for? When people get together and you're not in their company, but they talk about you, what do you want them to talk about? What, do you, what images or thoughts do you want to come to their mind? And then the second question is, what are you known for? Not what do you want to be known for, but what are you known for? Now, that's, somebody else has to answer that probably for you. Um, but what are you known for? And here's what we understand. Because there's no such thing as a perfect person, there's no perfect organizations, that there's always going to be a gap in what we want to be known for and what we're actually known for. But our goal should be to shrink that gap as much as we can. That, that, that hopefully over time, we shrink that so much that what we want to be known for and what we're actually known for are one and the same. And if we do that, the, the closer we get, the more we shrink that gap, the more we tend to live our life with a sense of purpose. That we feel like there's something that I'm fulfilling. There's a purpose for my life and I'm living that. I want to be known in this way and I'm actually being known in this way. We started off our year this year um, with a teaching series that we called The Best Year Ever. And we said if 2019, if you get to the end of it and you look back and you determine that this was in fact the best year ever, it will be a year that you have lived with a sense of purpose. That you can look back and you can see that I've made a contribution. I've, I've, I've made a significant impact in the lives of other people. That's, that would be a, a year that you could say this was the best year ever. And one of the things that we said in that series is that Everyone ends up somewhere, but few people end up somewhere on purpose. That, that we're all going to reach some destination, any day, any month, any year. Um, but few people actually reach the destination they plan for. They reach the destination on purpose. See, the fact is you and I were all put on this earth with a purpose, for a purpose. We were put here to make a contribution, not just to be consumers, uh, we were put here to live out of a sense of purpose, like well, do something with my life as opposed to always doing something for my life. And the more that we live out of that sense of purpose, the more fulfilling life becomes. And we also said that in this year or in your life, if you, if you want to become a better person, well, do something to make the world a better place. Because the truth is, if you live your life and, and you're successful, you accumulate things, you are living a comfortable life, family's well taken care of, all those kinds of things, and you reach the end of your life and that's what you've accomplished. You've been successful in whatever you've done, but that's the sum total of it. Then it's, you'll look back and go, I don't know how fulfilled I am. I was talking to a guy yesterday and we were talking about this very thing that, that there's something about just doing stuff and being successful is not fulfilling long-term. You get some satisfaction out of doing things well, but there's not fulfillment. It's only when you, when you look back and, okay, it's more than success, it's significance that I'm aiming for, that I've made a difference, I've made an impact in somebody's life. That's when you begin to sense this level of fulfillment because in some way you're making the world a better place. 
And if purpose is important for individuals, and I, I think it is, then it's critically important, I believe, for organizations, especially like a church, for a church to, you know, discover what the purpose is for their existence and, and living out of that purpose. And we've just determined here at the bridge that the purpose that we want to live for is to be a bridge of hope. Um, that as we go places, as we travel locally or around the world, as we serve people in our community, that when people come in contact with any of us from the bridge, that they leave us feeling hopeful. Uh, they don't leave us feeling hopeless or beaten down or guilt-ridden or anything like that, but they leave feeling a sense of hope. As we serve people, as we go and, and actually do good for people, that, that maybe it opens up a door for someone to ask, why is it that you're doing these things? Why would you travel here? Why would you serve me or my community? Or why would you do these things? And hopefully it opens up a door for us to be able just to say, you know what? We have been, our lives have been touched and changed by a loving, merciful God. We've experienced his grace and his love and his mercy, and it's changed us. And we just want to do good for you. We don't have an agenda other than just to be here and do some good for you because of all the good that's been done for us. And so living out of that sense of purpose of being a bridge of hope. And last week, as we kicked off, I, I gave you three things that you can do as an individual just to be a bridge of hope for people. Uh, the first one I said is encouragement, that, that everyone needs encouragement. And the more you find ways to encourage people, even in the smallest things, uh, the more they feel a sense of hope in their life. Encouragement was one, availability was a second. That, that we're available to be used, available um, to be a bridge of hope. Now, we talked about that if, you know, if I ask you, how many people are just available to go? You know, most of us say, oh, no, 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 no. Crazy, hectic, busy schedules. There's no way I can't be available. And, and we talked about that availability is really a mindset because we're typically available to do the things we want to do. And so having the mindset of saying, God, you have blessed me with a job, with finances, with resources, with gifts, with talents, abilities, with opportunities. You've blessed me in so many ways. I just want to be available to you. I just want to look at you with my hands open and not my, my fists clenched. And I just want to be available for you to use me however you want to. It's a mindset. And it starts with just a heart that says, God, I'm willing. I'm available to be used by you. Availability. And the last one was time. And we said it takes time to be a friend. It takes time to listen to people. It takes time to serve people. It takes time. Um, to be a bridge of hope. So encouragement, availability, and time are needed for any of us as individuals, but especially as an organization, we've got to do those things at the, as, as a basic just to be able to spread hope. Now, I know when I say those kinds of things, especially availability and time, there's probably this thought that goes through your, your mind that says, yeah, you know what, Scott? If I had the breathing room in my schedule, I would do that. But it is so tight. It is so crazy. I can't even hardly breathe. I want to be available. I want to have the time, but it does not exist. And so I want to talk about that for the next few minutes this morning. I want to talk about how to recapture some of that breathing room in your schedule. How to recapture some of that time so that you can use it in a way that you look back and say, it's been on purpose it's significant. It makes a difference. So how to recapture some of that 
breathing room, some of that time. Let me give you some facts of life, okay? Not, not those facts of life. That's a different series. Let me give you some different facts of life related to our schedules, related to time. Number one, your time is limited. Now you're sitting there going, I got up for this. I, I mean, I, we already know that our time is limited. Well, yeah, we do know that, don't we? We just don't live like it. I mean, we know that our time is limited, that, that at some point it's over and, you know, we only have a certain amount of time, but we don't really live like that because we add things constantly to our schedule like I've just got unlimited amounts of it. And we never think about subtracting things from our schedule because why would you subtract when you just got all day, every day? You've got all kinds of time. We live in such a way that makes you think our time is unlimited but the fact is, all of our time is limited. This may be a shock to you, but there's only 24 hours in this day. Now, we know that, don't we? But we don't live like it a lot of times. And we keep adding like we've got all kinds of time. The second thing, not only is your time limited, but the second fact of life is that all of your time gets spent. Every minute will get spent doing something. Again, that seems basic, but we really don't live like that because somehow we think we're storing up time over here. Like, 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 you know, get to the end of the week. Hey, honey, I've got 45 extra minutes. How much time do you save? You know, like you get to the end of your life, you're on your deathbed. No, 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 no. I got a suitcase full of time. I've been saving up. I got six more months to live, right? Like, like you can save money, but you can't save time. All of your time gets spent every moment we don't have rollover minutes in our time it all gets spent every single day but we say things like I'll get to that later I know that's important I know I need to do that but later I, when, I, when, when things slow down a little bit it's just crazy right now it's just a different season when things slow down I will get to that I know I'm going to get to that I'm coming it'll be later as if we've got like this big box that's labeled later and we can just go pull from it at some point because it's now later and I need those minutes so we pull out of there. We live in such a way that even though we know in our minds that our time is limited and that every minute of every day gets spent, we don't live that way. We say things and live in such a way that indicate we think that it's an unlimited time. And I've got rollover minutes that I'm saving up somewhere. The third fact of life is that someone will determine how your time is spent. Time's limited. Every minute's going to be spent. Somebody's going to determine that. Now, for a lot of you, it's going to be you. I mean, you have your iPhone. You have your Google Calendar, whatever it is. You've got your schedule, your planner, however you do you. And you forbid anybody else to touch it. Do not mess with my schedule. Do not mess with my calendar. It is mine. Do not put anything on it. So, so everything that goes on your schedule and your calendar and your time, you determine how you spend it. Now, some of you, you're not, not that fortunate. Some of you, other people determine that, right? Maybe it's your boss, your kids, school, parent-teacher conference periodically, other people are digging in, getting their hooks. And we all have the frustration. We've lived with frustration at times in the past where we get to the end of the week and we didn't get all the things 
done that we wanted to do because somebody else had their hooks into our schedule. And they were spending part of our time that we really didn't want to give away, but they got it. And we couldn't get it back. We all have had that experience. And here's what happens a lot of times. Whether we're determining how our time gets spent or someone else. Oftentimes, the things that seem to be urgent wind up overshadowing or outweighing the things that we would consider to be important. As we're balancing out our life and we know the things that are important to us. It's important for me to spend time with my family. It's important for me to invest into this relationship. It's important for me to spend time with that person. It's important for me to serve others. It's important for me to make a difference in this world. It's important for me to invest into these relationships. These things are important and they're in the important category. But then all the urgent things begin to happen, right? Work crisis, meetings, phone calls, social media. Urgent things are going on that just begin to soak up our time. And so we keep thinking, I need to get back over here to these important things because these really are important. And I, I know that, but all these things keep happening. And you get to the end of the day, end of the week, and you're like, oh man, I never even got to these things because of all this urgent stuff. And those things happen to us consistently. And sometimes we forget that, man, this time I have is very limited. I can't, I can't roll it over. Somebody's determining how it gets used. And God looks at us and says, what about this? You, you've, you've done, you know, what you can do with your schedule or, or you've allowed other people to do what they want to do with your schedule. What if you just take your schedule, your calendar, your activities, and what if you just open them up to me and let me help you determine how to spend your days? It might sound a little intimidating, doesn't it? It might be like, no, no, my schedule's not that bad, okay? I'm good. I don't need God telling me what to do now. But, but, you know, here's the truth. Wouldn't it make the most sense to let the only person who knows how much time we have determine how to best use the time that we have left? In the book of Job, in Job chapter 14, it says this, Man's days are determined. You, God, have decreed the number of his months and have set limits he cannot exceed. There is a destiny for every one of us. And we are not going to, we're not going to avoid it. We're not going to, you know, call and cancel that appointment. We're not going to bump it to a later date. We are all destined at some point to no longer live on this earth. And God is the one that set those things in place. So wouldn't it make most sense to go to the one who has already decreed those things, who set those in place to say, hey, how should I best use the days that you know that I have left and that you put in place? Now, here's a little secret. Everybody in this room believes that God or some other higher power is in charge of your days. And you say, well, how do you know that? Because I know if today you were diagnosed and you had six months to live, you're going to pray. You're going you're gonna to do something because something inside of you says there's some other higher power somewhere that's determining my life. I don't have control over this, but somebody does. And you're going to be praying, God, help me to live longer. 
All of us believe somebody else is determining the number of days. And if it's God determining that, why, why not just say, God, I've seen what I do with my schedule. I've seen my tendencies. I'd like for you to help me schedule my time, schedule my days. It makes the most sense. How can you recoup this time? How can you become a bridge of hope when you know that being a bridge of hope, spreading hope, Investing in people's lives, it takes time. How do you recapture some of those things? How can you have the time to be a bridge of hope? I'm going to give you three things that I think are necessary, three things that will help you. Number one, you need to recognize that your days are numbered by God. We just got finished talking about this. But recognizing that, not only in your mind, but in your heart, that your days are in fact numbered by God, which means you only have one chance to be a teenager. You only have one opportunity to be in your 20s. You only have one go through of the 30s. We think we've got a couple of them in the 40s, you know, but it's really just one. All of these things are limited. You only get one shot at all of these things. And God has already determined how, we, how those days will fall out. And he's determined the number of days that we have. In fact, in the book of Psalms, Psalm chapter 90, verse 12, it says this. Teach us, God, to number our days aright so that we may gain a heart of wisdom. God, you're the one that decreed how many days I have. Would you just teach me how to best use those days so that I might have a heart of wisdom? So that I might be able to understand, here's the best way that I can use my life. Here's the best way I can use my time. Teach me the right things to do, the, the, the important things that I need for my life, how to live according to a sense of purpose, which is actually the second thing that we need to do. Not only recognize that God has numbered our days, but because of that, number two, we prioritize by purpose. We prioritize our time by purpose. See, if we think that our time is unlimited and we don't have to live by purpose because we just got all the time in the world. But if we understand that I have a limited amount of time, then I want to make the most of the time that I have. See, if you knew today that you had one month to live, you would change your schedule, you would change your world and prioritize some things that you're not currently doing because you only have one month. If you knew somehow that you had one year, you would change up your life, you would rearrange things according to that Knowing that you only have this limited amount of time, you only have one year, and you would prioritize things differently. Well, here's what God says. You've got one life. That's all you got. And you might think that's a lot longer than the month or the year, and so you can just live however you want. But the truth is, the most fulfillment you'll ever have is by understanding that I have a limited amount of time, and I want to prioritize what I do by a sense of purpose, not just living haphazardly, but actually with a direction in mind. The Apostle Paul said in the book of Ephesians, in Ephesians chapter 5, verses 15 through 17, he says, be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity, because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. He says, you need to be careful how you live because you need to make the most of every opportunity. You don't know when an opportunity is in front of you. You don't know if this is the last opportunity I have. 
So why not take advantage of this opportunity, make the most of it? Because you never are assured of what will come next. You never are assured of what's going to happen down the road. He said the days are evil. So don't live as foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Live as wise, not as unwise. See, the best question we can ask when we're looking at our schedule, we're looking at our calendar, we're looking at the activities that we're thinking about adding onto our schedule. The best question is not, is this right or wrong? That's a good question. Not the best. It's not, is this good or bad? Good question, not the best. It's not even, is it illegal or, or legal? The, the, the question that you need to ask is, is this the wise thing to do? As I'm looking at my schedule, understanding what my past experiences have been, understanding what my current circumstances are, understanding what my future hopes and dreams are, understanding that I, the kind of relationships that I want to have in my life, Understanding the kind of difference that I'm hoping to make in this world. As I'm looking at these activities and thinking about adding them to my schedule, is this the wise thing to do? Is it in alignment with all of these things that I'm hoping to see happen in my life? Am I living with this sense of purpose? That I have a limited amount of time and God, I want you to use me in a way that when I reach the end of my life, and that's the truth for all of us. We're, we're going to reach the end of our life. And there's going to be a funeral. And then they're going to be eating potato salad talking about you. And so the question that you should be asking is, what do I want that conversation to be like? Yeah, old Scott, you know, he, he had a nice car. Really? Well, it's not really, but, but is that what I want? Is that really what I'm looking for? Do you really want them to talk about your boat? Do you really want them to talk about the, you know, how good you did running a company? I mean, I mean, is that really the things that you want? How successful you've been? Are you hoping that maybe they talk about the significant contribution to their lives that you made? The fact that you left them with a sense of hope because of the way you lived and invested into them. That their lives have been changed not only for today but for eternity because you took the time and you were available to invest into them. See, those are, those are much better conversations. And you know what? You won't be able to do a thing about it at that time. You say, well, I'll haunt them. Oh, good luck with that, okay? But... But, but you won't be able to do a thing about that at that time. But you can do a lot about it today. You can do a lot about it between now and the time that you die. With the way that you live. With the way that you prioritize your time and your schedule. And when you recognize that God has numbered our days. You begin to prioritize my purpose. Why am I here? What is it, God, that you want me to do? How is it that you want me to live? What's the wise thing to do? And then the third part of that is that you would say yes to God first. So when you open your schedule, when you open your calendar, however you do that, if it's every week, if it's every month, however you do it, 
when you're looking at what's coming and thinking about the things that you're wanting to add, what if you start with saying yes to the things that God wants in your life first? And the, and the, and the more you get to know God, the more you understand the heart of our Heavenly Father, it really begins to shed light on the things that He really wants us to be involved in. In the book of Matthew, the Gospel of Matthew, Jesus was talking. And Jesus said in Matthew 6, verse 33, He said, But seek first His kingdom, God's kingdom, and His righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. All these things, those are all the things that we worry about all the time. The house, the cars, the clothes, the, you know, all the things, that, the material things in this world. He's saying God will take care of you if you put him and his kingdom first. So what does that mean to seek his kingdom first? You know, that sounds poetic, but what does it really mean? It means that you make God's priorities your priorities. You make the priorities that our Heavenly Father has, you make them your priorities. So with your time, you sit back and you say, am I spending all of my time investing into the things that I desire, that I want? Or am I spending my time investing into the things that God desires, God wants? With my finances, Am I using my finances to further my personal kingdom or are I using it to further God's kingdom? Am I totally investing it in me, me, me and my family and what I want or am I investing it in ways that God uses to further his kingdom? With your gifts, with your talents, with your abilities that God has given to you. Are you using those things just in your own personal agenda and desires and wants? Are you using those to make a difference for God's kingdom? Making his priorities our priorities. Well, what are his priorities? Things like investing into people, building people up, spreading hope to people's lives, sharing the good news, the good news that their sins can be forgiven that the shame and guilt can be removed from their life, that they can have a brand new life, an abundant life that they can live here today and an eternal home in heaven someday. Those are good news. Those are things that everybody deep in their heart desperately wants to know. Doing good for people, being a part of a do-good ministry where you're going and, and, we, and that's part of a, a ministry that we have here at the bridge we call Do Good where we go locally and have partnerships locally and around the world and we go there and we work with them trying to do good for people again just looking to for open doors to be able to share with them what God has done in our lives and so we do good so doing good for people and spreading hope in that way those are things that are priority to God so are your priorities in alignment with his as we talk about do good ministry and again we've got partnerships that we work with and through um, here locally and around the globe well one of the local partnerships that we have here is with uh, an elementary school in north richmond called pink elementary and uh, pink is an under-resourced um, school uh, pink is a school that has struggled for a number of years and we um, over five years ago we began investing relationally into this elementary school and it's uh, just evolved into so many of you um, serving on that 
that campus and serving as mentors and, and just and reading to kids and just doing various things just to try to invest into their lives. And I want you just to get a glimpse of, of how it's made such a huge difference in the lives of the students and the lives of their parents and the lives of the teachers there at Pink Elementary. You've made a huge difference and I wanted you to hear about it. Check this out. The outlook seemed pretty gray at Pink Elementary five years ago. The school had a D rating, students struggled, and the state was prepared to take over. But a new principal and committed teachers were on a mission to make sure that would not happen. It is just an amazing feeling to come from a point where we were the lowest school in the district, a D minus, almost on the border of maybe the state coming in and taking over to now being a B-rated campus. And when I reflect back on where we are, it's all due to the hard work of our teachers, our parents, the community, the partnership with the bridge and the different other members of the community, those people who believed in this little old school in North Richmond and just really did not ever give up on us. A one-on-one -on -one mentorship program was formed. The bridge stepped up and got involved but they knew it would not be a quick fix. The bridge was prepared to build a long-term relationship with Pink and its students for them to succeed. Yes, Josue. He uh, met Marsha Pope in first grade and he was, would become very frustrated when, he, when it comes to reading. And he always said, I'm so dumb, I can't do any, I will not do any better. I don't believe in myself, I don't wanna come to school. When Marsha started working with him, she started helping him with his reading skills. And I started seeing the change in him, how slowly, gradually, he started to feel more confident and started seeing school in a positive light. Now he is in the third grade. He's doing much better in school and he's loving his teachers. He loves to come to school. I don't hear a negative thing about him. His discipline referrals have gone way down. This year, zero, zero. So I, I see how Marsha has impacted Josue in a very positive way. Walk into Pink now and you'll see Bridge volunteers reading to students in class, mentors helping with homework, listening to and encouraging students. The church's small groups even pray for Pink's parents, students and teachers. So teaching is hard. It's a very hard profession. It takes a lot of work day in and day out. And there have been times where we have gotten um, just a basket of cookies or just a, a case of paper or something where um, it just brightens up the teachers. And it always seems like it comes in those most difficult days, those days where you are just feeling really discouraged and really blue. And then all of a sudden we get just this one little tiny gift, which may seem tiny, but to us, it just reminds us that somebody is thinking about us. And that is so special. You too can make a difference in the lives of Pink Elementary teachers and students by doing good. Because when you serve, communities are strengthened, families are healed, and lives are changed. Isn't that cool? Yeah, you can clap for that. It is amazing to see how that school has changed and how the, the demeanor of the kids, 
how their study habits, all of those things have changed just because people were willing to go and spend some time. You don't have to be a rocket scientist to be able just to go and listen and just to be able to be there for some of those kids. And so many of you do that and it's just changed their lives dramatically. What if, what, what if when you're looking at your schedule, what if, what, and all the different activities that you could possibly put on there, what if you started putting some things in one of two categories? Like one category being, these are things I can do. So here are the opportunities that come up. These are things I can do. I can do that. I can do that. I can do that. And maybe the other category would be things that I'm called to do. And what I mean by called to do is that, that God is just prompting your heart in some way in this direction. And maybe your gifts and your abilities and your talents kind of lean you in that direction as well. And maybe it's something that, that only, you know, only you can do. Or maybe it's something that you feel like, man, I can really do this well. Things that maybe you could be passionate about. What if there were two different categories? These are things I can do. And they'd be all right. Nothing wrong with them. Or these things that I'm passionate about, I, I feel a calling to do. And what if you began laying those things out that way? And what if you began really focusing more of your time toward these things that maybe God is prompting your heart to be passionate about? What difference would it make, not only in your life, but in the life of other people? As the psalmist talked about, to, to, to number our days aright so that we could have a heart of wisdom. We could have an understanding of what our time really means the difference it can make, the impact it can make, how spreading hope is more fulfilling than a lot of other things that we could be involved in. And you got to the end of any time period, a month, year, whatever. See, I think if you look back on that time and you're investing in these kinds of ways, your life is going to be different and you can see where you've made a significant impact in the lives of other people. And I know not everybody wears these things anymore. And they're kind of like fashion statements or whatever. Or they don't really pay any attention to them because all the time's always on your phone. But what if you even started every day, either with this thing. It's called a watch, by the way. Um, or with your phone that has your time on it every time you look at it. And what if when you woke up in the morning, you just started your day by looking at this, using it as a reminder, and just maybe praying something as simple as, God, I know that my time is limited. So help me to limit my time to the things that are wise and to the things that would help me to be a bridge of hope. What if every day you started off your day conscious of those things? What difference would it make to you? But more importantly, how might God use you to spread hope to a world that desperately needs it and to see lives changed? I'm convinced that's the way God wants to use us. And my prayer is that you would join in with us and let's spread some hope and let's see people's lives changed for eternity. Would you pray with me?